0: Hey common scientists, this week we're coming to you with the topic of nuclear energy. Now, as usual, I'm going to preface, we are common scientists. The goal of these conversations are to come to the table with our common understandings, refine, and hopefully walk away with a bit more clear picture about how each of these concepts are involved and intertwined in our lives. So nuclear energy is a pretty interesting phenomena that does a lot of good and or a lot of bad depending on where your stance is on it. And we're going to get into a bit of the science today. We might talk about some of the positives and negatives about nuclear energy and some of our overall general thoughts. So I want to start by kicking it to Dre uh, with just a bit of background on nuclear energy and or... One of your initial thoughts about nuclear energy as a kid.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, so nuclear energy, my first um, concept of it was seeing it in like cartoons or like sort of superhero shows or something. And I'm sure many of our listeners have seen this as well, where you either fall into a vat of nuclear waste or you get some sort of nuclear waste spilled upon you or something like that. And then instead of the radiation radiation. Breaking down your cells, giving you cancer, and just killing you on this, or just killing you on the spot, it actually mutates your cells and gives you some sort of superpower, like super strength, ability to morph, or turn invisible, or fly, or something like that. Uh, So I was, you know, uh, sadly mistaken and terribly, my, my world was terribly shook when I got a little bit older and realized no, that is not how nuclear power or waste works.
0: Alright, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the background. So in case you're wondering, you should not jump into a vat of nuclear waste. Definitely will probably kill you. Yeah, definitely, almost definitely will kill you. Uh, but inconvenient truth. Yeah, inconvenient <laughs> truth. And we let's let's back up and talk about some of the signs. So what is nuclear energy? In in the world, and I'll speak mostly outside of the United States, but nuclear energy is the process of creating energy using uh, nuclear fission. And what does that mean? Well, what it means is that we actually mine an element called uranium from the ground. And an element is when a substance exists in its purest form. So other examples of more common elements that we uses more household names that you probably heard of are oxygen, hydrogen, uh, carbon. Those are some of the most common elements. And when an element exists in its pure form with nothing else intertwined, uh, that is an element, right? So for example, air is not oxygen. It's actually a mixture of several different elements. And so this hopefully highlights the idea that it's Sort of rare to find an actual element in pure form in nature. However, you can mine some of these elements. Coal um breaks down to carbon and and uranium, and use them for energy. So coal is obviously obviously not clean energy. Uranium more clean energy, and so uranium is mined. It comes in a couple different forms. And it can be broken down and turned into power in a power plant. So how does that happen? Well, what we do is we will bring in this mined uranium into a processing facility. And we will do some refining of it to make sure that it's in a form where we can turn it into energy. And then we will put it into a nuclear reactor, which is a fancy word or just a a mechanical sort of facility or big, big, big machine that will then split the uranium in, in partnership or in closeness to water. And the heat that's produced from splitting the uranium will either boil or heat up water and will pressurize a system or a non-pressurized system that will cause something to move, generally like a um, turbulent or like something like a piston, and that movement then creates energy, right? So step one, mine the uranium. Step two, break it. Breaking it produces heat. That heat then is transferred to water or does something to the water, and then the water causes something to move, and that movement creates energy. So a lot of people will be like, oh, uh nuclear power, that's when we we use nuclear, we just create energy from from breaking something and that's nuclear energy. Well, it's a little more complex than that. And really what creates the energy is the heat and then ultimately movement. So that is what nuclear energy is in a nutshell. I don't know if you guys want to add add anything to that or refine anything, but it's an exciting form of energy because it's one of the only, if not the only energy source that has a net zero of carbon emission which is a big concern in today's world okay was a lot from me
2: just one one note on one note on energy uh for our listeners as well if you're not familiar energy can be is conserved and that means that it's it's maintained constant but it can be transferred from one form to another and so when lauren's talking about breaking the uranium and then the the energy is released from uh, the uranium in the the form of heat and then that heat is then transferred uh, into eventually the electricity that you're well familiar with. Um, Yeah I think that's a a super great introduction Lauren Um, and yeah I'm just thinking a bit to your earlier question about to dre about when first heard about nuclear energy or or nuclear more broadly and i i mean what i was most familiar with so both of my uh grandpas or grandfathers were in world war ii and a picture that i'm well familiar with that i think uh, has uh, deterred many people from nuclear energy as a as an energy source is uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So the when the atomic bombs were were dropped and uh, it's related in in the terms of this process, Lauren was talking about where we're we're splitting an atom and then and then taking that energy in the form of heat. But obviously in Hiroshima and Nagasaki that caused immense devastation uh and so yeah I guess uh, I'm curious then Dre what some of your understanding of of the history or or whatever else to give a little bit of context to our listeners uh about maybe what kinds of biases like either uh, I don't know we have coming into it or or, yeah what you have come across in your research because I know you're it's something that you're you're quite interested in.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so nuclear energy does have obviously a very colored past, and like you <laughs> said, the uh, um, what are the big boy, little boy, whatever the bombs were called on uh, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki have definitely, um, really, really put a, a barrier in front of, in my eyes, in front of the advancement of nuclear energy and a mini. Kind of scientists, maybe pro-nuclear scientists, have stated that yeah, those two bombs that America dropped on Japan have really set them back on their use of a cleaner energy source because there is such a nuclear phobia out there with obviously good um, for good reason. And then Japan also did have the Fukushima uh, breakdown, reactor breakdown, or whatever accident, nuclear accident, where actually so that one so there there was there was obviously so there was the bomb and there's also fukushima which i can't remember what year that was maybe in the 80s or 90s but there was obviously a huge scare after that and everybody like the government and the response like panicked and they're like they're ripping people out of their homes like trying to get people to be safe but when you get when you have a nuclear accident you don't really want to move people around because obviously all the radiation that they took in, they're not going to spread to other people. So you really want to get them away from that area but quarantine them. And Japan, to my understanding, did not really follow protocol very well in that situation. And they ended up causing a lot. People um, have actually died in the kind of, the panic that the government went into um, evacuating people. And there was actually no according to the UN there's actually zero reported acute radiation deaths from that accident so the deaths that happened were either were from like the panic that happened and there so it was kind of like for so for that um, situation I think the fear of nuclear energy there has been overblown and I hear Fukushima come up a lot when we talk about nuclear energy where it should really be a non-conversation because for example like only the most irrational phobic person would bring up uh, a random isolated airplane crash as a reason to not go and stop traveling an airplane. So it's like if, things, if there's only been a couple major nuclear breakdowns throughout human history and they didn't have they didn't cause that much death relatively this fear is I mean it's overblown. So I, I understand the fear that nuclear that comes along with like the nuclear bombs but i'm definitely very very concerned about how so many people know the words chernobyl and fukushima and they have this sort of dread that comes along with that and the um and how that kind of creates a barrier for the future the present and the future for nuclear energy that's a huge issue for me and I want to stick with that, but I also just think about the history of uh, nuclear power. I thought it was fascinating, too, how a lot of, um, like, for example, shoot, what's his name? I can't think of his name, but a lot of great scientific sci-fi authors kind of ran with that idea. They loved the idea that we could like break, break up our atoms and release all this energy and the things that you could do with it, and that really inspired a lot of other physicists and um, scientists to actually look at this seriously, because even, I believe, even Einstein, uh, was like, no, nuclear p- power will never be able to harness it, etc., cetera, et cetera. So, that was interesting. But, also, when I said about Fukushima and all that, too.
0: So, one, one point of clarification, Fukushima was actually in 2011, so it wasn't okay. actually that far into our distant past. And what I read related to Fukushima had... I didn't read the same sentiment that you did, but I didn't focus much on nuclear disaster in history. So I did not see the same sentiment that the people who died were more because of panic than due to the effects of radiation. However, I would argue that being afraid of radiation and being afraid of the effects of radiation is a very real fear for a lot of scientific people scientifically founded reasons but i don't know a lot about the response related to fukushima that might be something we include in our cast notes but i think in 2011
2: according to wikipedia which yeah i mean is is mostly a good source i would say um obviously obviously there's in general it's general in general it's it does well for itself but um just a quick search again common scientists go back and if you really want to know you can read the the uh, UN or the World Health Organization reports Uh, but it says yeah the event happened on the 11th of March 2011 Uh, the earthquake and tsunami associated with the destruction of the reactors killed over 15,000 people and there was one confirmed death from radiation out of, like, all the 15,000 okay. people. Okay, yeah. Right. But so naturally that's disaster. It's also, also Wikipedia, and so dude research zero. common scientists? Yeah, all that. Know? So
1: my, my information was from the UN, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, like, I, a good point on the earthquakes and tsunamis, like, that's what they were talking about. Like, yeah, with 1,500 people dying, it was due to the evacuation of, like, those and obviously just the tsunami killing people. And I guess when I said the '80s, that was Chernobyl was in '86, yeah. um, which is the greatest I guess n- nuclear disaster. In, Great, yeah, in history.
0: yeah. So some clarification there, but I think the sentiment then is that there has been a lot of fear related to some incidents that were few and far between, and also d- more due to natural disaster than due to radiation itself. Uh, or the existence of nuclear power
2: mm-hmm.
0: so why why nuclear power then? I mean, where where did it come from? like why did we decide as a society that it was necessary? what is it what role is it serving?
2: I mean, I think it, it's it's help it's helpful in that it produces massive amounts of energy. Uh, like, like Dre said, uh, carbon neutral, which is huge in today's day and age when uh, we're kind of lighting the planet on fire in some ways. Uh, and so uh, that's super useful for our society is, is the amount of energy that can be released and, and harnessed. Uh, yeah, um, I think that that would be a, a big big why in my mind uh and then beyond that too so a lot of people would say like oh why nuclear rather than wind solar and water uh the problems with those forms of what we call renewable energies is that i mean the sun goes down in the evening and we also have seasons and it depends on where the planet you are um you might have more or less sunlight for example or more or less wind uh so the promise of nuclear energy is to be able to fill some of those gaps in power uh and because we can run a power plant 24 7 if we wanted to uh so that that would be like the main argument i think yeah agreed
1: and to kind of shed some light on the energy density of nuclear power and why scientists for over a century have been fascinated with it and harnessing it is, um, so one source I, I saw said that coal, if you take one kilogram of coal, it has 25 million joules of energy within it, but uranium, so nuclear power, one kilogram of uranium would be equal to 1 million kilograms of coal. So just like the, the measurements are obviously, the scale is on a completely different level, and of course, the second aspect of that is clean, it being clean, it not destroying <laughs> our atmosphere, you know, yeah. not creating greenhouse gases. Um, and I, I think the kind of slow burn, the slow killer that is coal and fossil fuels is something that we've just put outside of, out of mind and has just constantly been the buck has been passed on to generation after generation. And at this point in time, I think we are at a certain tipping point where it's like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to find a cleaner energy source or not find, are we going to use the one that we have or are we continue to stay in tradition and stay with like OPEC and people who are have a lot of money on the line to switch?
0: Okay. There are some things there that I disagree with, but I think we need to provide a little more context to our listeners. So in the industrial age, right, we developed electricity, humans developed electricity And we figured out how to use coal and fossil fuels uh, to power the light bulb. And from there, I mean, obviously things have really taken off in kind of an exponential way throughout the Industrial Revolution and since then. And that brings us to today where we have figured out that the emission of CO2 and the byproducts of these of these mining techniques, the leaching into water, I mean, there, we've figured out that there are a a whole list of things that are bad for the environment, whether it's CO2 emission or the process of obtaining these fossil fuels. And we know that if we don't do something about it, most scientists would agree, I think it's like over 98% of scientists or something like that agree that there is a problem associated with the use of these energies. And Compounding that is the fact that the demand for energy, the demand for power is continuing to increase, and especially in the United States is crazy high. So there are all these issues where we need more power, we need safer power, and the processing of uranium at a surface level does that. It provides a way better payoff of of power i'm meaning a way larger number of joules like Dre said like a million joules versus some thousands than our other energy capabilities and aiden mentioned other clean energy that is available wind um sun am i missing one water water wind sun water hydroelectric um and unfortunately those also are costing a lot of money still I think some of them might have some carbon emission I'll double check that but there are all these problems that are compounding and it seems that then nuclear energy would be the answer it has no carbon emission it produces so 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 much more power and we're not using it as much as we could be so I think that background is necessary. I don't know with, if you guys have anything to add before I go on
2: with solar, water, and wind. I would just say I think again be a common scientist and do your research and cross compare sources. But I would say that um, my concept of them is that they require an initial investment of fossil fuels because that's kind of I mean what are world runs off of right in in terms of having to set up a wind turbine or having to set up a solar panel but once that's up and running yeah uh the the payoff is is that's the same with nuclear
1: plants too they use fossil fuels to build nuclear plants Um, but
2: then like over time the energy produced is is more so that's again again back to the concept of carbon neutral right it's like the the payoff is more than the investment but
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. That's good context. So I think, common scientists, you've probably guessed that I have my own kind of idea of whether or not this might be the answer for, for the current problems that our world faces regarding clean energy. And I'm really trepidatious, along with a lot, well, along with some of the scientific community, about nuclear energy for a couple of reasons. So first and foremost, outside of what has historically happened regarding nuclear disaster, I think it's important to understand what nuclear disaster means. And maybe not the disaster part, but what even does nuclear anything mean for humans? And there are two pieces of understanding nuclear energy or just a nuclear element that I think is important. One is that human beings don't do well with uranium uh, and or like any sort of uh, hazardous... I'm, I can't think of the word waste. What Do you know what I'm thinking Radioactive. of? Radioactive. Thank you. Radioactive waste. So radioactivity for a human body causes all sorts of problems. Cancers... Namely, cancers that leach into um bone, blood, organs, etc., and can cause also an inability to reproduce, deformities in children years after, if you, even if you don't die. So, lots and lots of physiological problems. Now, reported instances of those problems have been super super low in human history, and that I think is what Dre was prefacing earlier is that. That alone shouldn't be, I don't think, enough to stop us from using something that is potentially an answer to a problem. The other thing is, unlike some unlike some nuclear waste, uranium's half-life is super, super long. So let me explain that a little bit more. A element has a period of time, and specifically a radioactive element, has a period of time where its dosing will remain uh, negative or will remain in a a level high enough that it will actually impact us. And so we've termed this thing called half-life, which is the amount of time it takes for it to become half as potent. And uranium's is 4.5 billion years, which is a long time. So that's one thing I think is important to note compounding the fact that it causes a lot of problems physiologically and then the last thing is the amount of waste that's produced of uranium and it's an amount of waste that we don't know what to do with so I think it's something like two oh I gotta look there's a lot okay so By the end of 2011, over 67,000 metric tons of highly radioactive waste have been produced by by U.S.-based nuclear reactors, and that increases by about 2,000 metric tons every year. And right now, we have no plan of what to do with this nuclear waste once it's been produced. We have nowhere to bring it. We don't have a plan to break it down. And right now it just sits in vats at these nuclear plants, which I'm highly concerned about. And I I don't know what the answer is altogether, but I think there's got to be a combination of solutions that could involve potentially still some use of nuclear energy, less use of fossil fuels, but then maybe there's something we can do to decrease the amount of energy... Of like of energy that's needed so that we can come to a solution that doesn't create so much radioactive waste, since we don't have a solution to break down. Like Dre earlier, you mentioned, oh, we just keep putting off these problems to future generations. Well, what are our future generations going to do with metric tons, thousands of metric tons of radioactive waste that are just sitting on the Earth's planet? So I think that's my major concern with with nuclear energy. I wish it was a magic solution, a magic bullet, but Man, I I'm concerned.
2: Yeah. Uh I'm curious what Dre's thoughts are. I think that I think that yeah, I mean I would just say that I agree with you that the radioactive so okay, this is just kind of a thought that popped into my mind, but um I, I agree with you that the radioactive um waste is a problem uh however we or most scientists believe that climate change is a more immediate problem so may, like the radioactive waste might be uh like pass like we we complain about previous generations passing the buck down to us or whatever else um something that i think is super true uh, throughout the course of human history is like we invent something and then there's problems with associated, with associated with that something whether or not we're intentionally creating them or not but um, yeah what, Dre what are your thoughts on the, the radioactive waste problem
1: I think essentially you laid it out there <clears throat> it's not that new, radioactive waste isn't an issue it's just less of an issue than climate change it's less of an issue than coal and oil uh, we already know that that's impacting the cli- uh, climate change that, that that we're approaching a point almost a point of no return where like we're gonna we're just gonna destroy life as we know it um or like our lives as we know it and um, on top of that just the air pollution that carbon creates that coal creates it kills like seven million people per year it's like four thousand people a day in china so it's like, versus Chernobyl, the greatest nuclear disaster ever, besides, obviously, nuclear war was not a disaster. It was just, we intended to do that. It was a disaster, but we intended to do that. But, like, these accidents, it killed 28 people, died, on the, like, essentially on the spot from acute radiation at Chernobyl. And there was, there's been 14 deaths over 25 years from thyroid cancer. And that's it. No other cancers, no proven malformations, no proven infertility from Chernobyl and that's the worst of the worst that we've had so far versus coal it's like people are dying every single day and it's destroying our ozone destroying the atmosphere changing climate forever not forever but almost forever and possibly forever i should say so those issues to me are like you said way more urgent way more pressing and like not solvable while still using these fossil fuels so in order to stop using them how else could we do it without nuclear power without nuclear energy in this moment and even so like i haven't like really took a whole lot of time to study the possible like how are we going to get these this uranium to decay faster how are we going to get rid of it how are we going to make sure it doesn't leak but so far the radioactive deaths are so low that it's like well we've already been doing it we've already been making like we have the waste like it's not it's decaying slowly obviously as lauren said but it hasn't killed anybody yeah so it's like what are we so worried about it's like you know what's killing like, first of all what's killing the environment is all the plastic that's floating around right. right there's plenty of waste in the world the nuclear waste is the least of these in my mind it's the least it's like potentially dangerous if we just poured it on a country but it's all sealed away in steel concrete inside pools all these things all these parameters are taken because we do know the destructive capabilities of it but meanwhile we don't give a crap about what coal is doing it's all these scientists who are the only prayers to the wind and politicians and government and all whatever in the general populace is just like, you know what? This is the way it's always been like,
2: yeah, I think, man, there's a lot to unpack. There's, uh, my first, my first reaction, uh, or hypothesis at least behind the stigma or the fear of nuclear, uh, is that, when you see an image of the mushroom cloud on top of hiroshima or nagasaki that resonates whereas when you think abstractly about
1: the plastic climate in the change ocean.
2: and plastic in the ocean and things that like i never i've never i can't attach an image to like i'm thinking i'm thinking like, like maybe that points a bit to humans bias towards like more emotional image triggers or or, uh, video audio, audio visual triggers as opposed to statistics and numbers. Um, I yeah. also
0: think nuclear accidents haven't caused death, but when I'm thinking of what ma- the the best example of what massive widespread widespread nuclear matter material looks like is Hiroshima. So when I'm when I'm talking about I mean deformities and yeah, you're right. It would have to mean that a terrorist bombed one of our nuclear sites, that it has just vats of nuclear waste sitting waiting for problems to happen. Oh, and I don't like it, but I if given the opportunity to vote for a nuclear power to win out right now in comparison to what's available I would agree that nuclear energy should be it for right now as uncomfortable as that makes me feel and as much as I think we should be aware of the problem that we're creating for a future generation I agree I mean we know most scientists agree that the united states must achieve economy wide net zero emissions by or before the mid century to achieve to achieve uh, better health for our planet and that's according to a nuclear power energy source like company we can i uh, link it but there are many more sources that agree that our carbon emission and other problems are are more of more pertinent issues ah i don't feel good about it though
1: yeah Yeah. two Um, things number one i i believe it's a specious argument and an unfounded claim and it's one that i I hear quite a bit that or there's there's this connection this human connection where like you're saying lauren when you think of nuclear energy you automatically think of a nuclear bomb but it's like there's other than that, they're both they both come from the same like a fission of an atom or whatever. It's like these have nothing like these are not related. And for example, for a real world example, the U.S. gave South Korea nuclear power. They don't have nuclear bombs. We did not give North Korea nuclear power. They have nuclear bombs. So it's like there's this is like a false like a false line of thinking where people think once we have all this nuclear energy around, then there's a a chance that someone's gonna weaponize it. And it's just like well. Coal has already been weaponized. Oil has already been weaponized. Like these, these have already killed millions of people. Right. So, I, so, I think, so all of these arguments yeah. to me are are just like it's almost. To, it, it's not that they're not valid at all, but it's like we are we're sitting here as if like let's just say this was like a debate, and we're trying to say we're the the fact that we're even talking about these things in the same, like giving these both of these concepts the time of day is creating a false equivalency. Equivalency, like they're equal. It's like no, there is no other answer right now besides nuclear energy, to save us from the doom, the impending doom that coal and oil are bringing upon us in the next 50 years. We do not have an answer. It's not wind, it's not solar, it's not water. We have no answer but nuclear energy. So that's number one. And when you guys talk about specifically you, Aiden, when you talk about long-term, that's fine. I'm sure we'll come up with something amazing in 200 years. But for the next 20 years, we need nuclear energy. And going back to your point about the view of the mushroom bomb, yes, you're right, it is because we're human. Mm-hmm. It's because we don't understand numbers. It's because, yes, we see like charred skeletons of the Japanese because the U.S. bombed them, and we automatically have that image ingrained in us since we were children. And that's what we think about naturally when we think about nuclear energy. And that's an issue, but it's also just propaganda because there's people who are sitting on billions and billions and billions and probably trillions of dollars to keep oil and fossil fuels alive. And that's. So, to even have, like, a debate about this is, like, ridiculous to me. And, like, you guys are bringing up good points. I'm not talking about this conversation yeah. per se. I'm just saying to pretend like they're equal. Which right. is like, So, I'm, more, I'm not talking about our conversation necessarily. I'm talking about, like, the conversation that politicians are having or not having.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I... Yeah. I agree with your... I agree with your sentiment. And... I also... I mean, I also think that the grounds of this conversation are challenging i just i think it's important in the context of common science to address what a lot of the what a lot of people do think of and i think aidan to your point like humanizing what people feel when they think of this is is an important like way to understand why people might feel as they do but to, to what you're saying, Dre, I agree that the the scientific answer, the right answer, is probably to say, Absolutely no more, Cole, absolutely no more and have some drastic, drastic change in favor of nuclear energy i just hope to god that yeah 100 years from now or whenever someone comes up with some solutions some nanobot that just can eat waste for lunch or something because i <laughs> i'm pretty pretty worried about it but I mean, maybe who knows <laughs> uh yeah i
2: i think yeah i think dre to your point about um yeah the concept of a, a debate or bringing up both sides of the issue and and creating a false equivalency as you say uh, i would point people uh, our common scientists to uh naomi Orescus's book the merchants of doubt and in it she discusses uh how a lot of these big powerful Entities like Dre alluded to the uh, currently the fossil fuel companies, but in the past, tobacco, um, big tobacco, it, how they create like discord amongst people, and a lot of it is creating uh, this idea. Like Lauren said, ninety-eight percent of scientists think like think that science climate change is is caused by human activity a lot of these uh big corporations who have a lot of interest tied in continuing with the status quo will say oh like yeah but some people don't believe like some people don't believe even if it might be the two percent or whatever it is this might it might be it might not even be the two percent they might be like hiring actors out so that was something that was well documented is they'd hire actors out and put them uh, on the news and, and say they were experts who knows in what but um yeah so it's just again it's it's all the more reason to to do your common science and cross-compare sources and, and also find reputable sources uh and have conversations too to kind of check yourself as well because I, I mean i might come to that conversation and say something and be like oh i think xyz but and to be um, willing
0: to refine your yeah. perspective. I mean, coming into this conversation, and, and still, I would say I feel the same about nuclear energy. I still am very concerned about it, and I think it's the answer. And I think that coal and other forms of energy should probably not be used until we have done a better job at create, or at fixing the problems that are currently causing a lot of death like you had mentioned, Dre. And being willing to refine stances is is really important. But also to what you said in you're right, it's sometimes a fallacy to present the to present the concern up front and it would be better to just say, I mean, yeah, scientists believe that climate change is real. Right? Like ninety eight percent why why would you present the other side? Or to say that nuclear energy is the best answer because it is
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important to explore some of the other like reasonings, but obviously like holding front and center like oh yeah, this is the this is kind of the accepted uh truth uh of the matter. Uh one one uh argument Lauren that I think I'd like to highlight of yours though that I don't think we gave enough justice to was, the concept of decreasing consumption, uh, and our, in quotes needs, like how how much, I mean, do we need a, a six hundred square foot apartment or a two thousand square foot house or, I mean a hundred square a thousand square foot house you know, like what, what is enough and I would I would dare people to ask themselves what is enough for themselves Uh, and if you have a company what is enough for your company is growth always good on the personal level and on the corporate level or whatever institution you're associated with or is it is it finding sustainability over time should that be the goal my thought is yes like man uh i mean in in my personal life i've got like everything I, I I need. Yeah. There's other goals that I'd like to strive for, but like I've got my apartment, it's 600 square feet, um, with my partner, Lauren and, and my two cats and go on lots of walks. Like I don't need a private jet. I don't need X, Y, Z again, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just finding what's enough, I think is, is a huge question that we have to ask as a society. Cause uh that's an argument that uh i came across uh from jared diamond who wrote guns germs and steel and he's a geographer anthropologist but also ornithologist he's kind of a he, he jumps around in terms of his his interests and um yeah i mean in the us we consume more than like one planet can uh reproduce and, and so whereas in developing nations they don't and so his concept of a solution would be for us to consume more equal amounts and amounts that are uh at a sustainable level because obviously too inequality breeds pe- desire and and those in developing nations wanting more but yeah so there's again a lot a lot there but I'm
0: glad you highlighted that now I'm feeling like i folded point. too fast like <laughs> oh man but
2: it's not about folding it's about finding truth it's not well yeah. i see
0: that i mean yeah you know, i just am commenting on my personal sentiment about my ability to have this conversation but i i agree it's important to ask about what is enough and what is the problem is the problem that we can't keep up with the demand for energy or is the problem that we are using too much energy
1: yeah you said equal consumption I heard communism. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But a lot of people will hear that. Probably um, yeah. not our listeners. And that's a huge problem. Um, or that's socialism. Fair. That's a good point. And, but I'm 100% I'm with you. And I, I never refuted that point. I'm glad that you made it. And I'm glad that you brought it back up. Because that's a, sl- a real, very pertinent conversation. But slightly different than obviously what I was attacking. And yeah, I 100% agree with you guys. We need to take some notes from Japan, Hong Kong, Tokyo. um seoul korea and start building up and then eventually start building down because we don't have we obviously need some level of space as our population grows but we don't have like we just can't keep taking up as much space as we are i think you said 200 square feet which is terrifying but (laughs) oh did i i thought i said
2: 600 (laughs) <laughs> okay 2, i meant i meant to say 600 like 2,000 yeah you said 600 for apartment
1: 2,000 for a house but then i thought you when you were talking about your cat and lauren live, i thought you said 200 oh, and i was like oh. 200 i don't no, know that's, <laughs> You know, that's no, that's tight. Think so. <laughs> okay. okay, but either way, no, I 100 percent agree. Um, and if you, you look at amazing, thriving cities like Tokyo, and you see how they do it, it's and it's incredible. And then as we kind of collapse our spaces and become a closer to community, just like physically, um, then we can actually create more space for like a thing, like a central park, like an open space that we can all share. But it's like nature, or like it's healthier, it's more conducive to like sustainability as opposed to uh, let me just like you're saying let me have a whatever I don't even know what acres are but like 100 acres and this and that and mm-hmm. all this space that we don't really need and like now now it's a it's a wealth symbol to walk into a house and just have empty space that's like yeah. you know it, it, and with the, one of the reasons why too I bring up an ability to have larger like to have fine space outside of your home is because I do think space is important for like energy flow and kind of like not feeling crammed all that type of stuff
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I think 100% correct, how could we, once we get to 10 billion, 15 billion people um, and start getting into population issues like some parts of Asia have been and it's, how could we not, how could we keep pretending like this facade is sustainable yeah, so, or
0: makes people happy, right, we that's a I, point think, too. I think we know I mean, I've seen a lot of research clearly I'm a biased individual but I think we have seen that there is there is a level that of enough of enough that contributes to happiness and i think with loneliness being on the rise uh as a space is on the rise those things have got to be correlated the lack of community the lack of tribalism
1: yeah i assume there's somebody somebody out there and i mean going back to the great american diaspora where we all moved out to the suburbs and then all of a sudden going back to the aging podcast where we start moving our elderly out to the their nursing care homes instead of having multiple generations and taking a village to raise a family and all that type of stuff um it's i, I agree it has to have be having an incredible mental toll on us as a society and i think it's, a lot of it too is um specific with america and this bigger better mentality a lot of it too comes to, comes with like we have to our minds are so powerful as humans we have to be able to rearrange 300 square feet, 400 square feet, 500 square feet in a more suitable way. It's just like, 500 square feet should not feel small. But I have a 700 square foot apartment and it feels so small and it feels so unnatural and like, so like, it just feels like clutter. It's like, what, because it's not intuitive. It's not, it has no, no proper affordance. So at this, like, so we need to be able to like, architect a better space for us with a you know 400 square feet yeah and I think it's super doable I'm sure there's a lot of places doing it a lot of architects working on it but America we just don't care about that at this point in our lives (laughs) well one
2: one place that cares about it is New York City and I've seen a, a number of people who have had inventive strategies as far as making the most of small spaces uh but yeah I mean Japan is also an awesome example as far as uh, how they've made the most with small spaces and and coordinating large communities. Uh, One piece that you mentioned uh, that stuck out to me as well, and uh, with regard to Lauren's point regarding happiness is the concept of sharing and becoming like it's seems like we're throwing it back to kindergarten where it's like, Oh, (laughs) but let's, let's share. Like it's, it's good to share. Right. Um, as opposed to just own things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and I've found a lot of value in, in adopting more of that mindset. Like, Oh, if I, uh, if I rent some like a canoe, then I don't need to have the space to store it. Right. Like it's this access, the access I mean they also call it the access economy now uh in terms of just having the access is is what you need it's not necessarily the the thing or whatever it is uh it's it's the the access and the utility but that's just something for people to think about too is is, yeah how can we more better share our tools or better share our spaces
1: yeah I love that concept And, I mean, sharing is good, and I think sharing is human, so.
0: Well, common scientists, we have learned a lot (laughs) today. We now know that nuclear energy comes from uranium and that we split that energy to create heat and transfer it into something usable like electricity. We learned some of the potential challenges that can come with creating nuclear waste, a byproduct of nuclear energy. However, we also learned that it solves major, major problems that our world and our planet faces right now, and problems that are causing death right now. We also learned the importance of asking tough questions. Where does the problem come from? Is the problem the energy sources to keep up with demand or is the problem the amount of demand that we have? And then we got into some solutions which is really exciting. The idea of sharing space, the idea of using space better, and finding the amount of space that's needed for you. So hopefully this week on Common Science Cast we encouraged you to ask some important questions in your life and consider nuclear energy in a way you might not have before. As always you can subscribe and
1: Go to the Common Scientists website. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just have to cut something in. Follow was... no. us. Yeah, <laughs> we got Instagram. We got Twitter. We got Patreon. All the <laughs> all the things. We got all of the things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and
1: we're human. That's it for this week. <laughs> Love it.